WCO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or callings may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Welcome aboard. I hope you can hear me. I uh, see I'm turning. It looks like it's a little late, slow tonight. Could be all the traffic. It's Friday night, and we are not Saturday Night Live or Friday Night Live. We're live on the air tonight with Jan Aldrich, UFOHQ headquarters between Connecticut and Florida. We got you covered in the United States of America anyway. We're going to be doing ufology talk on TJMRC2 Radio with ACO Press Club, which is official now. I paid my dues with the Society of Professional Journalists, so I am one now. So I'd go back to work and be TJ Marsh Reporter at Gmail if you're interested in being on our show. Now tonight, Jan Aldrich is very well known in the UFO industry. He is a definite ufologist, and uh, he has been working with us for many, many years uh, undercover. We're like the non-official cover operatives, which is a knock if you want to look it up on the team house. But we're actually prior government. He's shuffling papers, I can hear or something. Jan Aldrich, can you hear me now? Give us a little background. Yeah, I can, on who I you can are hear you fine. You uh, you're coming in fine. Well, Good, good. So that's something we want to get clear, folks, because, you know, we're all working in SplinterNet now, and I was going to talk about that. I had this whole thing written up tonight, and magically it disappeared. So I'm wondering who all out there is listening in all the intelligence communities, but Jan actually has a history with the intelligence community. He's uh, well-versed in history and uh, political science, but he's worked with us, and I asked him to join Ace Folk Life as an archer quite a few years back. And then uh, he was recommended to me by Dr. Bruce McAbee for our Alien Contact Organization in 2015, and he gladly – it's been two or three years ago, or maybe three or four years ago, because we covered him in Barry Greenwood at – Kufos. Now, Jan, when was that? Because I want to get your history tonight because it's like starting all over again on the internet. But we are official. I got it official with spj.org tonight. We'll use Thurmond as my prior military name and all my files as an associate. But we've actually started American Communications Online and ACO Club officially tonight. And uh, I'm, I'm really taking on my hat again in the press, folks. So I'm going to go out as a Journalist with uh, Jan, so TJ Marsh reporter, Jan Aldrich. This is the real official starting today for UFO Association and UFO Headquarters HQ and UAP Associates. So you are one and you agreed to do that. So tell people a little bit about you first, then we'll get into details of the etymology and the words. But, Jan, tell people your history and how you got into the UFO business. But I want them to hear your military 50 years, if you don't mind. Well, I I started I started when I was in junior high. I saw ball lightning. And I started uh, 
at the time, nobody thought ball lightning, or most everybody thought that ball lightning was uh, non-existent, just stories. Um, now, today, it's different. But uh, after seeing ball lightning and starting to research it, uh, the next uh, probable thing that's kind of related is UFOs, and I started researching UFOs, and so I uh, uh, I found my first uh, government document in 1958, and so I've been interested all through that time. I went into the Army in 1967 worked as a meteorologist for about 16 years and then uh, worked in uh, for uh, about uh, six years in Europe as uh, intelligence and uh, nuclear weapons. But I've almost always been in nuclear-capable units, so I, I, I know a lot about... Uh, so, uh, and I was in the nuclear release authentication system, which is, um, uh, it, it's a, it's a specialized system that in, involves, um, firing of nuclear weapons or giving orders to fire nuclear weapons. So I was in that while I was there. Um, after the after I got out of the military in '94, uh, I went to work for the post office, and I worked for them for uh, uh, as a as an actual authorized employee for 25 years. So 25 years in the army, 25 years in the post office. Uh, so 50 years uh, shamelessly from the government um, no regrets at all and I, I I'm, I'm happy to, to cash their checks when they send them to me um, uh, when I got out I started project 1947 I got a grant from the UFO uh, UFO research coalition to go around the country and uh, investigate the beginnings of the UFO era. Uh, so I went to uh, 48 states and Canadian provinces in uh, Washington, D.C. So, uh, and uh, prepared a report at the end of that, and Project 47 continues up to this day. Um, it's online, and most of the things we find out are on project1947.com for free. You don't have to buy a book or anything like that. So uh, as far as uh, the uh, major other work I, I worked on was uh, UFOs in Government by my, Dr. Michael Swords and Robert Powell and nine other people, or I'm sorry, 
seven other people making nine altogether. And it, it's about uh, mostly UFOs and government in the United States, but it also covers Spain, France, a little bit about Brazil, and a few other countries. Uh, but the main thrust is the United States of America. So that's my. I, I continue to work with Kufos. Uh, we're we have a project to digitize their files so they can be used for various um, uh, in various uh, attempts to uh, find out what UFOs are. Um, so we uh, when we when we're through with this project, we will question the database with various questions and see what 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 comes up. Uh, this is a long-term project. We started this about uh, four and a half years ago. Uh, we're up to uh, 1970, although we've done a lot of cases after 1970, we have not finished the KUFOS files beyond 1970, but we constantly send uh, um, things that we've scanned to uh, to the CUFOS archives in uh, New Mexico, and we'll be going down there and uh, finishing up from 1970 onwards here, uh, hopefully later on this year. So there it is. Thank you. Now, we want to discuss a lot, folks, because we're actually setting up UFO headquarters again. As Jan pointed out, if we don't have the money, we don't keep the websites up. And I have been a domain assistant uh, since 1985. I was recruited by J. Alvin Hynek on an airplane, I think. However, <laughs> apparently was recruited by uh, Senator Strom Thurmond of South Carolina while I was in the University of Alabama. But I don't know how far this goes back, because if we go back to my first paperwork for me, that goes back to 1967 at NASA. But prior to that, May 10th, 1967, I was in the Houston Chronicle as uh, Ginger Thurmond, which Ginger is an alias, so I'd already been an unofficial cover name, non-official cover operative from uh, 1967 on when they mistakenly thought they had recruited an 18-year-old, but I was 16. So we've got a lot of things going on that a lot of people don't understand, but fortunately we were uh, – or unfortunately, we were in a police action uh, in Vietnam, and uh, many of our high school people that I was in the newspaper with, that graduating senior class at James Madison, that high school is something different, but it was James Madison. I have people I went to school with that know in 67, but we started at NASA, and I was informed about computers <coughs> with IBM at NASA. Now, how I wound up working with Jan was quite a surprise to me today. 
because he told me about I'm sure he's told me for years about Fufor, but he mentioned a name I knew well, Don Berliner, and I about had a heart attack because I realized again I am still working for the same unincorporated associations that all work together without my knowing because uh you know was who was I working for so this is a big question who was paying me well i got naval intelligence services and nis wanting me you know in uh, hawaii and i worked for the navy facility pacific engineering command and i was taken in to uh, handle classified documents and working in the vaults and all that i had a lot of changeover i was told i worked for the president of the united states direct hip pocket orders that i didn't even know what that meant and then i was working on a project but i guess i don't remember it being 1947 back in the 80s but it was the 80s to 94 so i'm claiming since 1989 but i went in uniform again i did citizen soldier forms for agent orange after we had that police action in vietnam but i was a nasa nerd 68 to 69 and uh that was my first clearances and i know i did again in 72 and the last one i remembered filling out was in 1994 at fort hood texas colleen now this can be documented through government if you can get it and that's d lab asvab i took and when you do military entrance exam and all that you have these test scores which we all take now jan worked army and i worked naval intelligence but at the same time i worked joint chiefs of staff i wore army navy marine and Air Force uniforms in my lifetime. Now, I don't know what's going on exactly with all these people that are claiming they are part of the government inside because I don't know other than above top secret projects. And But when I was going through clearances, we had a need to know. And it was very emphasized to me through Jay Allen Hynek's group at the time of Air Force working and then jan explained to me that that was the time he came to florida and passed over because all of a sudden i was in the dark and had nobody was telling me anything so today was quite a shock that i realized what jan's telling me is all these men were working together and i guess it goes back to nightcap but now we're historians I have the logo brand Ace Folklife for the United States of America that I performed with uh, Smithsonian collecting stories, mostly songwriters, music, working with Broadcast Music Incorporated, taking the uh, packets from Nashville up to Kentucky and Tennessee and working with musicians and songwriters and historians and collecting folk stories. Now, I've been doing this 10 years with uh, UFO stories and ET, but Jan is uh, a principal and a director and has been apparently, but he told me that uh, something I didn't know was Dr. Bruce Maccabee and then uh, Mr. Hall. I, t- I didn't know his first name. Uh, is Mr. Hall and Mr. Burliner, which was Don Burliner. But uh, apparently Jan's going to inform us what I've been involved in without knowing because these men I was working under or with are doing their bidding through them and Stanton Friedman, which I've seen National Archives with Stanton. And I don't know how National Archives got Stanton Friedman interview, inter, uh, interviewing Mr. Anderson. 
So, Jan, please inform me. How do you know these names? Because I know we've talked about it, but it went over my head. Somehow today I had an aha moment, and you explained to me all these men were rotating as directors. And now you and I, I don't know where Dowd Berliner is. I know Stan Friedman is now deceased. God bless his soul. He was a great leader. I started UFO Association for him, with him. And George Filer, they were both writing at the time for Mutual UFO Network, and we had all kind of issues. So that I was at some level at that time, and then uh, uh, a gentleman was taking care of that at the time. I won't mention his name, but then Dr. McDonald came in, or Captain McDonald. So what do you know about these men? Uh, tell us, give us the history back to where you come in to knowing all these Bruce people. Bruce was not. Uh, in NICAP, I think, until much later, but uh, Richard Hall was a, a assistant director um, in the 60s, and Berliner was there also. He worked on the NICAP staff, so they knew each other. Wow. And uh, um, wow. After, after NICAP folded, um, there was a, a need for a fundraising organization. So that's how the fund for UFO research started. Did and they there money were people that were willing Allen? to put some money in at the time. Is that how Jay and Allen Heineck was telling me that he was going to get funded or no? Because he was yeah, waiting he on did, the Yeah, he did. He never, he never saw those funds. This, um, this fellow from England, I think it was, uh, told him that he could give him a million dollars if he uh, left Kufos and moved down to Arizona. Um, and that never materialized. Well, I was and, put uh, back in uniform in 85, and I have no clue for what reason. I had just come in from visiting Europe. I was in the European theater for the intelligence community, and I was in Africa for the intelligence community. But I don't know how I flipped over, and I know the men in black didn't know because they were all meeting in the goat locker in Houston, Texas, where you take them, it maps is. And uh, I don't even know, remember what, military enlisted personnel station maybe? I don't even know maps is. But uh, my history before 84 is very shady. I do know I worked, uh, Navy picked me up. I went to China Lake. I went, but anyway, it had something to do with Dr. Richard Allen Miller, Area 51, Groom Lake, the United States Navy. And I have no clue how to put all that together. So I'm working on that. But you can help me from the time you know I came online with 84 and 85, right? Because we've covered your history. Were you in uniform or working at the post office when my memory comes online as a public figure? I worked in, in the post office till uh, I worked in the military until uh, uh, 1994. That's when I got out. So they brought me back in uniform, 84. Uh, I want to... Okay, I'd been, I don't know, folks, we'll work on me prior to 84, but this is important because I think it was the Air Force and the gentleman, uh, Carl Schleicher, with the Air Force 
in the 60s, and I don't know if I was supposed to work for MRU then or not, if there was an MRU back then. I don't know. So these are questions I can't answer. But Jan has apparently been uh, voted in or told that he could do the job because he took on Project 1947 as well as knowing how to keep the frame. Now, today he shared some intelligence with me about a skeleton and the meat. So let me go look at my notes because Jan has a lot of intelligence and a lot of information. And we talked about a lot today, Jan. It was very enlightening. But let's go back because, I, I, like I said, you caught me totally off guard or something woke up in my brain, maybe because we were in a positive light, that 31% of the archives in my brain. So I know we've had no staff. It's, it seems like he told me he had one or two guys in Chicago. I'm talking to he is J. J. Allen Hynek. i got to remember I'm on the radio. Uh, research of uh, – you know, yeah, UFOs. well, he had Alan Hendrick, and he had uh, uh, Mark Rodiger and uh, George Everhart and uh, others. He had he had some staff, and some of them did it for just part time, and some of them did it for some for salary. Yeah, he acted um, like he couldn't really count on a staff, if I remember correctly. But I'm trying to go yeah, back yeah, and cause remember. He, uh, yeah, because, uh, you know, uh, ufology, uh, uh, there needs to be uh, headlines in the newspaper or, you know, everybody just ignores it. So there's not any headlines. There's not much support around and the government knows that. So let's talk about what they got started with NICAP. But we could go back to Carl Carl Lawrenson and her husband. But when do you think – because Carl became a, a news correspondent like I am now. But I'm going to claim since 1989 with uh, Stars and Stripes and with the government. But prior to that, I was a legal investigator for attorneys. And I worked as a private investigator for Buddy Hansen, Percy Foreman out of Houston. But I was a young girl. So let's go up to – you're working at the post office in 84? No, 85. I was in 94, 94. So where were you when I met Jane, I met Jay Allen Hynek? Now, according to me, in my brain, 85. So where okay, were you in uh, 1985? Uh, well, I was in Germany from, uh, uh-huh. from, uh, 80, 88 till 19, till, uh, 1994. Uh, so I wasn't in contact with Heineck at all. I did try to call him a couple of times about the uh, cases, but, uh, uh, they just got answering machines, and uh, so nothing came of that. I, I wanted now, to that tell was him in the about, 80s? Uh, uh, I wanted to tell that... him about uh, um, uh, Staff Sergeant. He was, when he got out of the Army, he was a Master Sergeant. But, or, no, he was just a 
a regular sergeant in uh, 1965, and he went on a uh, um, a project for the uh, National Climate Research Agency. Uh, a bunch of military island. And he had a rather unusual UFO experience then. And at the time, I didn't realize it. Although War uh, Bordin told me, "Hey, they were they were making ground observations, but they also had a satellite above them making observations." And he saw a UFO at night while he was making ground observations, and he recorded it in his um on his observation form called the weight band 10 um and uh, it was a light that reacted to his flashlight he was taking observations and writing them down and he had flashlight and this light came from the distance and got bigger and bigger and bigger and he thought it was uh, PVY, which they had with them as transportation, the Coast Guard, and uh, he thought it was, you know, making a supply run or something. And so he flashed his light at it, and it uh, reacted to his light, and he continued doing this, and it's getting closer. And he doesn't hear any engine, and he doesn't see anything, any uh, structure. But the light is getting bigger. And he says, ah, that's just the pilot of the PBY uh, having fun with me. But he recorded it anyways. So when he's walking back to the cantonment area, he sees the PBY sitting in the water. So it was not the PBY, and at the time, although Christmas Island is, uh, um, let's put it this way, tourists go to Christmas Island now, but at the time they didn't. It, Christmas Island was a, a first a British nuclear testing site, and then the Americans used it also. So they were there doing this experiment. And like I said, he uh, so he reported this, and another fellow, uh, another army guy was there. He had uh, he had had some kind of a similar sighting a few days before. So the, the master sergeant in charge uh, questioned them and wrote a report on them. And in the meantime, uh, the rumors were flying around that the satellite had picked up the UFO. So um, he was called in, and some a couple of the scientists there told him, uh, "Don't talk about this anymore, and stop feeding the rumor." Uh, just go about your business. Go about your job. These guys 
didn't let it sit there. Uh, they reported back to to Denver. They uh, or no, they didn't report it. They reported it back to Denver. Um, Denver took a the satellite um, output, and there was no uh, no lights that they saw at the time of boarding sighting. But they uh, they looked on the satellite record, and a half an hour before there was a bright light there that was unaccounted for. At this time, no aircraft flew over Christmas Island. It was very, uh, there was a small native population, and it was uh, uh, a British uh, governor general, or whatever you want to call him, who was in charge of the island, and that's, that's it. And then the science. You're dropping. I don't know I why. Think... It's not on my end. You're bending okay. a little bit. It uh, could be the okay, Connecticut. So maybe this is better. I think I think there's some uh, mowing going on across the street. So, uh, well, something is interfering a little bit, bending. We don't usually have that, folks. But uh, we're doing the best we can because we're out of New York, and of course we are picked up by iHeartRadio, Splinter. Uh, we've got Spotify, Stitcher. We're live on the air on a lot of places around the United States and outside. Uh, many countries. So uh, this is recorded live. So I have no clue about the numbers. So don't ask me, even though, you know, we're going to work on that for our UFO headquarters. But I'm just taking on this position. I agreed today with Jan, even though I'm in shock, but he is a historian and I'm learning a lot from him. And uh, he apparently has been doing this a lot longer than we could prove with his military or U.S. post office, but we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of the skeleton and the mainframe of what the UFO Association is, what the UFO headquarters is, and why we have UAP associates now. And it's a very daunting task, and uh, it's like bringing order to chaos or chaos to order. I'm not sure which. Spin up or spin yeah, down. Yeah, I think we need to finish up uh, starting Bourdain's, uh Incident though this this is kind of All important. Right, well, say the date. So, so we've got this. The date so this is, is because uh, this is uh, February 1965. Whoa, we're going way back. Sure, I was still like so, ten years old or something. Go ahead. Yeah, 65. So, so the the uh, NCR uh, uh, RA reported this incident and that the satellite had apparently picked up something to the Condon Committee. Whoa. We know who they are. They never acknowledged that they got the report. They're just up the street. You know, they're, they're you know, they're, they're at uh, Colorado Springs, so they could have gone there and talked to the scientists. Um, wow. They didn't care. They weren't and they paid, didn't right? put they it didn't... in their report, and they didn't investigate it. And it's just one of dozens of cases that ended up like that, where they never they never did any reporting or any investigating on 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 a large number of cases that they 
that were submitted to them that they went out and sought people to say, if you if you see something, let us know. But once the, somebody let them know, they didn't uh, they didn't follow up. So well, let's please when go the, back. The to that committee time. ended when the conning committee ended. That was. Uh, that was the end of it, and I did not know that the satellite saw it. And Bordeen told me, "Oh, that's uh, that was just a rumor." Well, somebody at uh, uh, the the agency informed Dr. James McDonald and uh, sent him the paperwork. They sent him the copy of the Wayband form. They sent him a copy of the. Uh, questioning of Bourdine and this other soldier and so he had it in his records and there's also a letter to the conning committee saying that apparently picked up something that they didn't know what what it was they had no idea what it was and they 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 forwarded it to them so they could investigate it but they didn't so that's that's that incident. Now, if if we come if we come up to current times, um, uh, John Radcliffe, reports. yeah, John Radcliffe was the, was the uh, defense director of defense intelligence agency. So he's he's the top man in at the time in, in, in intelligence, the very top. There's nobody above him except the president. So after he after he uh, left that position, and uh, Avril Haines now is the DNI. Um, but after he left the position, he said. A couple of years ago, we have had satellite detection of UFOs. And nowhere in the reports to Congress or hearings has, uh, has anybody mentioned that. But Ratcliffe is in a position to know that, so he, uh, and he put that out. And nobody has followed up on that as far as I know, and that's a deficiency as far as I'm concerned of the report to Congress last year in June. So that's that's where that stands. But it apparently goes back all the way to 1965. The satellites were... Uh-oh, we lost you. Hello? No, I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. Huh. Okay, now I can hear you saying I'm here. It's it dropped you. So uh, yeah, so uh, okay, so I'll I'll just repeat that. Uh, uh, Radcliffe said that satellites had detected UFOs. Nobody in the current administration has said that either to Congress or to the press. But like I said, 1965. Uh, Sergeant Warren Bourdine uh, was in that, as part of that incident, the satellite detected something. We don't know what it is, 
Nobody investigated. So that's where we stand on that. ACIR was the uh, acronym I was told as a young teenager to remember. And then I had the men in black come and ask me to work for them on several occasions. But I can't tell you who ACIR was or if that was who it was. So I need you to help me out here. So I don't know what ACIR is. Okay. Well, then apparently it didn't have anything to do with UFOs, but I – okay. If you don't know what ACIR is, okay. Well, Well, you know, there's there's plenty of federal agencies. I don't know what – Yeah, it was uh, advisory council, but at one time I was told I worked directly for the president of the United States, direct, and then NASA, and Chris Kraft was assigned to me and my husband. And uh, do you know who Chris Kraft is? Yeah, he's a – was the NASA spokesperson, the main spokesman. Okay. Well, I don't know why. And he was. I, uh, I think he. I think he was also the. Uh, um. I think he was in charge of the early. Um. Man in space program. Well, I'm going to figure out who all these men. Are because to me they're all men in black, but Chris Kraft seemed to be a spokesperson, like you said. But uh, then I got to meet the astronauts, of course, some more than others, and Edgar Mitchell, and uh, God, I'm, I guess I met a lot of them, but I don't know why. But I was an outsider that was an insider, like a typing pool lady, and I told you I got to hear bogey 10 o'clock high or whatever. So I've been a part of this storyline and I don't know why I'm going to accept my press credentials now but as a correspondent just like Carl Lawrence did but you know she didn't start out doing this either so this is weird because I had UFO sightings I reported them you know J. Allen Hynek it was up there he didn't have a lot of help because I was complaining like you did about you can't get anybody even if you did and I got stopped trying and then I get involved with the government, and then they say you can't have anything to do with anything to do with CUFOs or MUFON or FUFO or whatever, all these NICAP, all that, because, you know, they didn't want me out there because I was involved in the original with Stan Fleedman back with, at that time, Jesse Marcel was the first thing I knew before I knew about Barney and Betty Hill or Calvin Parker. But these are things, names that I used to know they were part of my history, but I had no idea. There was no internet back then. Only you would know, you know, people that are in the business. Now, when can you and I claim – now, my ufology doesn't start – you asked me that once, and I didn't really say I ever really thought I was. But I came out as a ufologist because of Stan Friedman asking me to, to and Duran Verliner. 2006, which is way later than I was indoctrinated in 85. But I'm claiming since 1989 for the records. But as far as, you know, government paper, it goes back to NASA and my clearance level. Why don't you explain to people about clearances? Because it's a very important part of this need to know and what we just saw in the January 6 hearings with a lady an aid to the president of the United States giving her information. But at the same time, we as women 
are never in the limelight, and we just do what we're told pretty much. But, you know, we are the support system behind the men of our country, it seems like. And, you know, this goes back to the war of the worlds and the war of the gods and the war of the women versus men. But what I'm asking you to do is fill in the blank for people because there's things we say on the record and off the record. And all the time I was a real investigator and worked on these powerful, powerful government jobs, either for the government or against the government because I've been on both sides, plaintiff in in defense, meaning Democrat, our democracy, our all that. We don't like to talk about politics, but you've covered political science and history in your past. How does that affect us? Because you've been a little upset about this information coming out and then this DNR that is like not on the record or not for the record. How would you like to say it? But I know about need to know because we started in that in 85, at least when they brought me back in, they really educated me on clearances and reading all these books and manuals and studying personnel information security. I had a huge lot of money put into my learning education in all these groups and I have no clue why. So what is it about what's on the record and off the record? And then, you know, because you worked for the post office, you saw things come in. We would put them to FPO New York. I don't know where that went. And then, you know, we were told to just send it to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, and the president would get it when you're out in the field. And then we had funny papers, and we had only certain phone numbers, and they changed every week. So I can tell you things I know, but I don't know. The only things that pertain to how I live my life. So what can you tell the public now that I'm going forward with ACL Press Club and you, with UFOHQ, UAP Associates, Ufology, what is it that we can put on the record and we can't, and why are they keeping the Senate and the House ignorant? (laughs) I don't know why they're doing that. They they seem to be wanting to classify everything. Now, we had UFO projects in the 50s and 60s, and the shape of UFOs was not classified, but they won't say a thing about it anymore with the the recent um, information that they gave to the congressman. They say it's classified. Why? So I don't know why. But here's the thing. If it's classified, you're not supposed to discuss it. And I... Uh, uh, I like to tell this story. I found out uh, since I was a meteorologist, I uh, I found out something about uh, um, uh, balloons and, and their utilization in intelligence. And there was an article in uh, I think it was the uh, the Army magazine and. Uh, now, I'm out of the Army now when I found this out. And when I was visiting Fort Sill, I went up and asked uh, the head of the meteorology department where I worked, hey, how come this is in the uh, in the Army magazine that used to be uh, classified? And uh, he said, it still is. So don't talk about it. So I said, okay, understand. He said, uh, you want to check back later? 
You can. So I check, I have checked back several times, and as far as I know, the last time was quite a while ago. But they said, no, it's still classified. So you can't discuss it. So I'm not discussing it. I'm saying that I know something, but I can't discuss it. And I asked if I could, and the person that should know told me no. So if, if you – Is that you, to uh, this day? You mean to today? To this day. Today is July 1st. 20. You still can't talk about it. And it's July 1st, right. 2022, on the record. Yeah, and this this, this started back in the 40s. So uh, when they well, split the, the Air Force and the Army, when they split the Air Force off from the Army, um, that's about the time it started. And uh, like I say, I've seen articles about what was going on, but uh, he said, you know, these are these are things that should have never been published. So as far as your uh, your knowledge, it's still classified. And I said, okay. Wow. Yes, sir. Yes, well, sir. I don't three have anything school. like that. As far as so, I know, they you know I was just told to get the facts, keep the history. Just, you know, just nobody, they said they can't because I'm independent contractor, right? And it, it gets rid of a lot of the red tape. And basically, I work for all the states like I did as a truck driver. You know, like you said, all lower 48, we'd say Canada and Mexico. But, you know, I pulled from Microsoft and the U.S. Treasury. But these are things I know just as customers. I accepted the bill laden. I accepted the load, and I signed for it as independent consultant, our independent contractor, right, as a truck driver, on and off bases, military bases, including Area 51, as people ask me, and, uh, you know, a lot of places. I went to a lot of places, but so what? I was there. I unloaded. And I didn't say anything. <laughs> And I left, you know, but now I do. I mean, there's things covered. in Europe that I saw and they said, don't talk about them. Wow. Just don't talk about it. Um, uh, and uh, <clears throat> they deployed certain people to a certain area. And they thought they were there for uh, for doing some kind of training. And they weren't there for doing training. They were doing there to cover uh, uh, an, uh, uh, an actual real-world exercise. That's what they were wow. there for. They were not there now for I know training. About those. Yeah. Yeah. So that's and that is that is still classified. So you know that's fine. Uh, wow, I've been I got in some of those. Coin. I got a coin for that, but. Uh, I can't talk about that. Everybody that participated got a coin. And you can't even talk you know, about challenge that. coins that you get. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. They got government coins. I've got a guy that was going to bring them over here and show me his. And then he got spooked by the Air Force. <laughs> and he couldn't come over and show them to me. Well, I have a coin for the units I was in, you know. You know, yeah. if you go to the club, have your coin with you. You don't have your coin with you. You got to buy around. That's what they use them for. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a challenge. No wonder. Coin, but they use them for other things too. So. 
All I know is every time I went through the uh, metal detector, it always set them off because I forgot I had it. <laughs> okay. Well, mine's 15 yeah. years for not gambling, but I never had a problem drinking or smoking. Just if I got near a casino, I wanted to play 21. I, I love 21, but it's okay. I can play online without spending money. Well, you know, I like to be uplifting and positive and have fun with this, but you know, folks, this has got to be relatively serious because of all the splintering of the cyberspace culture on the internet. And it's like back in the day when I was working inside government and new things and helped Qualcomm and helped, you know, truck drivers learn to use the satellites and things. And then I was brought in 85 Star Wars. And, you know, I don't know what all I've been involved in. And I can only tell you I went and did what I was told and uh, didn't kill anybody. So that's a good thing that I know of anyway in this lifetime. I didn't point a weapon at anybody. I didn't slip on the Mickey. So I guess I'm okay. So my question is moving forward is how does all this with consciousness help us if we're going to associate in cyberspace in social media? So I've taken on that task because I have uh, limited ability in computers, but I'm willing to do it as a uh, press correspondent with content, at least on the bottom rung. Now, I do know for 20 some odd years I've been involved, and I started with like Net Solution I Can, Starfield Technology, all that back in the day after DARPA. And, uh, you know, Jan hasn't written like just one book of memoirs, and he's an orator now with oral history, but Jan, tell us about Foo Force and what year, because you've often talked about NICAP and then uh, Center for UFO Studies is out of West, uh, well, that's out of Chicago, but I know a gentleman left Carl Lorenzen, right? And went to the University of Wisconsin, and I guess he gets credit for KUFOs or MUFON. The general, uh, was that? No, uh, uh, APRO started in Wisconsin with Cora yeah, Lorenzen, and then she, moved to, she moved to New Mexico and then to Arizona. All right, so let's so give women I, I talked to, uh, so her, the, the, most of the files from APRO are unavailable. A private person holds them. But right, uh, so some are, some of them were microfilmed, and I talked to um, an archivist at the Northern Arizona University, and he said, if they ever become available, the university w- would take them and preserve them. But, but right now they're in private hands. Well, folks, all so I can Coral do is started that. Do. Yeah, so uh, NICAP started in Washington, D.C., and uh, uh, CSILA started uh, uh, started in the 1952 at uh, in California, and they. Uh, they were only active for till 1954, and their records eventually got to NICAP. 
I'll have uh, to go back and listen to this to write it down because I can't write this down. CSI uh, New York started uh, in uh, 52, I guess, 51. I was born um, 12 and it was mostly a, uh, a discussion group, but people like uh, Dr. S.N. Uh, Baruch, who is a relative of Bernard Baruch, the financer, uh, he was part of that, and he had uh, he did work at uh, Wright Field. He did aviation Do work at Wright Field. So right this field. guy is you so can't good. find anything about him. You look him up in the in the uh uh in the archives? Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you look him up on uh, on uh, on the web, there's there is almost nothing about this guy. And uh, the uh, Ted Blocher Ted Blocher was uh at that time he was in CSI, he was there from almost the beginning. And he said this guy was very erudite, and of course he's a rich man because he was part of the Baruch family. But you you can't find anything about him. Uh, we've got some letters, some letters. He wrote some letters, and uh, uh, one of the members who was just starting off in college went and asked Baruch for an interview. And uh, so uh, Brooke said, uh, well, I'm, you know, I, I, it's kind of dangerous for me to give interviews because I, uh, I don't know when to shut up because uh-huh. I, I know things that I shouldn't talk about and I'm afraid I will talk about it. But he asked, uh, he asked Brooke, he said, I, I want to get into UFOs somehow. And Brooke told him, well, physics and uh Physics, astronomy, and mathematics, and uh, that's when Baruch told him he, he worked the uh, right field sometimes. And so this guy, is a mystery guy, a mystery guy. Now his, uh, I don't know how he's related to Bernard Baruch Jr., who was a captain in the Navy. Um, he's he's Bernard Baruch son junior is the guy that's responsible for communications instructions for reporting vital intelligence or the service reports and that has been going on from 51 to the day till the current day and uh, the lying people in the military keep saying, oh, we are, we're not doing anything with UFOs. No, they've been doing something with UFOs from 51 to the current time. Well, I've been alive 122651, so I had no clue I was coming in to do this. Uh, I was taking on today's responsibility with you for purging the files as databases and all these conferences that – are going on, but the conferences are more entertainment these days. Tell me who started the first gathering, because Stan Friedman started in little old ladies' houses, he told me, personally. Well, and, there does. I, I think 1948 was the first 
conference. Uh, I can't remember who exactly the guy was, but he did. He he was interested in UFOs, and he did write a little pamphlet or book. Um, so he's it, it's it's not an insignificant. It wasn't insignificant, and it was right close, right after you know 1948. That's pretty early. Uh, I don't think yeah. there were many more until uh, later on in the 50s. Um, and sometimes they were just one shots, and sometimes they continued on and on and on. And, uh, well, that makes sense because of the 47 Roswell incident. That uh, The young people have no clue what we're talking about thanks to the Roswell TV show, at least just keeping the key word Roswell out there whether it's fiction or not. But that's the thing with Facebook, social media in general, is the kids don't know the difference between fiction and nonfiction, not much less the adults. So mm-hmm. folks in our intelligence world, and what we've been doing our best to describe information, disinformation, and misinformation is very common. And we have separated those and been using those for years on the Internet here. And, of course, we think uh, what they call the fake fiction or the fake news picks all up all that. And, you know, the government has always used propaganda, which is you can look it up in the National Archives. But, I mean, all these films, and I even saw those when I was in the military that take us all to like in Hawaii for well, wherever we had the theater. I think that, that wasn't on the Fort Island. That was just PW. Uh, Next to Hickam was the Navy base, so we're ComNav base, the command, Naval base right there. I don't even remember the name of it. So it was Hawaii and Oahu next to Hickam. But uh, and I worked on and off there, and then I worked outside PwC Pearl Harbor and then over at Kaneohe at the Marine base over there. Uh, but, Jan, I'd like people to understand how we're trying to set this up because it's really – daunting task because we have all the different people that have been in the military watching the different funds because of money. And while I was in, I was made to understand personal information security, files, uh, the difference between physical security, checking the perimeters versus personnel files, and then classified levels and why we classify and how to classify what we tell people when they got to, you know, get rid of something or brief them or debrief them. So I, I have a lot of education. You couldn't, you know, I mean, I, I'm thankful for all of it, but it can only mean something now, July 1st, 2022, when we're getting ready to help, you know, public relations work between being in a uniform, being a civilian, being a retired military, offering as senior volunteers such as ourselves. We're not score are helping, you know, set up pitch and founders and entrepreneurs, but we are willing to help the associations that are already set up that have already have all these people have devoted so much time in their lives to seeing this go public the way it did after 2020. Now, the government is claiming, what, 21 when we're coming out with the, which doesn't make any sense to me, the Tic Tac, but you want to say uh, we thought well, two thousand four. Is it because is, New York is, Times? To, yeah, for some reason they picked two thousand four, which is when the tick was seen, as their cutoff date. So they're not going back to Project Forty Seven or not Project. I'm sorry, 
Project Blue Book. They're not going back to that. They're not going to use any information out of that. Um, uh, I believe one of the fellows that was before Congress said, well, there's no, uh, there's no information in the time between the end of Blue Book and... Uh, um, well, why'd they bring me in in 1985? They brought me so, in for Star Wars, did they not? 1985. So, so I said, to- I, I said, listen, I, I got with Barry Greenwood, and we figured out there's about uh, uh, 200 government documents that have been released under FOIA about UFO sightings in the time between 1970 and 2004. And there's been more documents that uh, the government has released voluntarily. Um, So uh, I don't know how they can tell Congress. You have to be careful what you tell Congress. If you you start lying to them, it might, might your career might not go too well. So these people <laughs> appear to be very ignorant about what's going on. But uh, you know, there's about 200 or so FOIA documents that have been released about UFO sightings well, uh, in the interim, know? and that's that's uh, that's not the the whole thing because in some cases, UFO cases get into the press. Somebody talks out of turn, or uh, somebody authorizes them to leaks talk. Leaks it, yeah, leaks it. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, Off I'm, I'm skeptical of leaks. I'm skeptical of leaks, but uh, you know, this, uh, for instance, 1973, as uh, uh, pilot was flying a uh, um, a marine, a marine jet. Um, so what the I can't remember what the what the anyways uh he wanna went on television and uh and just uh talked about a sighting that he had and uh, so that's that's how some of these things get out and also we have sightings overseas so like uh 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 Pine, uh, oh, good grief. Uh, the, the, uh, the base we have in Australia, I, I, I think it's Pine Bluffs or Pine Bush or something like that. Anyways, pine Gap, sweetie. Pine Gap pine, in the middle of Australia. Pine Gap. So. Gap, yeah. Yeah, this is after 1970, so our... Project Blue Book is closed, but the Australians hadn't closed theirs, and there was a sighting there, and it was by Americans. So the Australians gave them a UFO report form and said, fill this out. You guys saw this? Fill this out. And it's in the Australian UFO project. And then then the... um, also, there's another sighting right after that by the uh, uh, the firefighters, but they're Australian. But that's also in the Australian UFO records. 
So the Australians carried their UFO project way after Blue Book was closed. So when you tell Congress, you better be careful when you say, well, we don't know anything about uh, between 1970 and uh, 19 or 2004. You better be careful because somebody's probably going to prove you wrong. And it might be Jan Aldrich. I might just rat on these guys when they're telling when they're telling tales like this. Um, we're here to seek the truth, folks. We're here finding of facts. You want to know chain of command? We'll teach you. We're going to know findings of fact. We'll teach you. We're going to be about who, so, what, when, where, why, how, how many, how much, and maybe right. anything else that takes so, the so fact the British had, had a report in their archives. Now, this one, to me, is really... Uh, to me, is really interesting. Uh, they were doing an intelligence flight over the Mediterranean. They were coming back from that, and they got they had a UFO report. So they called it in. This is nineteen. I think it's nineteen eighty-five. I'd have to go back and check, but this is in the British government documents that have been released. So the uh, the Americans are flying a reconnaissance aircraft, and they call for everybody because they're getting they're seeing a UFO. So the British respond with interceptors, but they don't get there in time. But uh, also uh, there's radar on uh, Cyprus, and the British have a base on Cyprus. So they're looking for this UFO with their radar. So that's in the British archives. And it's an American UFO sighting. So once again, they're they're everywhere. And uh so we've uh, we've partnered with oh yeah, my friend in Spain, Bolestro almost uh he he uh he was given the uh Spanish UFO archives. So they that was released to him. So the Mediterranean fleet is out there and they're working with the Spanish. So uh Spanish have an F eighty six up there. And uh, they get they get a UFO sighting, so they start to try to intercept the UFO. Uh, the American Navy they uh, attempt to help them, and it's called a, a red eye. The exercise that they they were doing, or what they were trying to do, they were trying to, you know, identify the UFO, and. Uh, so Valesser almost said, hey, can you put in a uh, FOIA on this? He said it's in the Spanish archives, but what the U.S. Navy did at the time is not uh, is not uh, 
in the Spanish archives. In fact, the whole uh, the the case is missing. It's one of those missing cases, just an empty file. And he says, but but we've interviewed the pilots. We know the pilots' names, and we've interviewed them. So it's a, it's a serious UFO. And he said, can you ask? Can you FOIA that? So I said, I will. And he says, well, while you're at it, we also know that uh, one of our Air Force officers was uh, in Washington, D.C., going to a service school there, and uh, DIA found out that he had had a uh, UFO sighting. So they asked him to come in for an interview, and he said, ask about that, too. So I said, I will. So so far we know we don't know anything, but um, some of the Spanish uh, DIA has a report on the Spanish UFO even seventy three seventy four files, and it's on. Uh, you can get it on the uh, internet. You just go to DIA FOIA reading room. And there's some of those 200 cases we talked about. I think there's probably more um, on the DIA website. So those are right there, and uh, you can download them and um, go to the FOIA reading room. And you can do the same with the FBI the CIA has had a second release of UFO cases, and a lot of them are very, they're not, there's not much information, you know, like they say something like, oh, there's this Russian magazine, and they mentioned UFOs in one of the articles. So that's some of the information that's on the CIA um, thing, but also there's things like this. You know, pilots flying in Russia and reported a UFO, and the CIA got wind of it. So that's on the CIA website. Um, uh, we have a lot of people go on all these podcasts and stuff, and they seem to never talk about this kind of stuff. So DIA. Most of DIA stuff is prior to 1970, but uh, a lot of it's interesting. You know, it's got uh, reports uh, from Brazilian pilots and from Antarctica. Um, like I say, it's before 1970. The CIA stuff that's just been released is... Uh, um, more, um, most of that is more modern. Not all of it, because they've just repeated stuff from their former release. Not everything, but they repeated some stuff from their former release. But there's uh, stuff on the CIA website that's new. And... Uh, <clears throat> It, it 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 you know it's just like it it wasn't any uh, big deal as far as ufology goes. They 
they made a big deal out of it for one or two days, and that then they dropped it. So there are government documents, recent ones on uh, on these various websites. The CIA is probably one that has the most. Uh, DIA doesn't have much modern stuff on it. What happened has, to NICAP? You know, what happened to NICAP? Um, yep. The uh, uh, NICAP was in financial trouble about uh, 1969. And, of course, it was bad times all over. It was a recession going on. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> they had at one time they had twelve people working for them, and they had to get rid of them. And it's down to Major Keogh and uh, Gordon Lawrence, uh, Stuart Nixon, and they had a meeting, and they said to, to Major Keogh, "You're the guy that's running this place, and we're out of money, and you have to go because you haven't, you didn't do very well with." Keeping the uh, finances, so uh, he he got kicked upstairs. He he uh, he went from the uh, director of NICAP to the president of the board. Wow! But uh, he didn't like that. He wanted to run the thing, and uh, they wouldn't let him run it, so he quit. So well, Gordon I'm Moore essentially you. got fired. Uh, I'm Gordon told me they locked the, they locked the <laughs> the the office on him and wouldn't let him back in and he was told you're on a uh permanent or you're on a uh an extended leave and then he never went back and Stuart Nixon ended up running that and uh, NICAP survived until 1980 but it was limping along all during that after after Keo NICAP was not uh, they did a few things. They they found out about the uh, the 1975 overflights. They were the first ones to find out about that, uh, and they uh, actually may have uh, violated security, which Keo was he was death on that. But anyways, he was out of the picture by then. So the uh, the overflights of the northern tier. Uh, I think NICAP got the first sniff of that. And well, how do you like I said, they up? were they were until uh, until 1980. Now Gordon Lore told me, he said they knew that something was up that the uh, you know NICAP was going to be reorganized. So what he and Hall and Berliner did is copy the files as much as they could. And he said, that we must have burned up the copier, copying all this stuff. And then uh, they probably took some home, too, because uh, Gordon said, yeah, I, 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 we we all pinched some of the files. So Mr. I went Hall and copied. Mr. Hall dead, right? Monty, huh? I called him Monty Hawk. Mr. Hall, I never could remember. Mr. Hall, I called him Monty Richard Hall. Hall. Richard Hall. Yes, Richard. Richard. But I can never remember his name. So, uh, all right. So, uh, Mr. Hall. Uh, now he's so he he when he died he probably had he he probably had uh, 
some files from NICAP, just like Gordon Lohr did. And right. uh, they went to uh, uh, to uh, Rod Dyke. Well, is that in your records a, on Project 1947? So, yeah, yeah. So Rod Dyke has okay. those uh, Hall's files. Now, he had uh, the NICAP tape recordings. You know, they used to go out and tape record the witnesses. Yeah, who's so, got all the videos? So Hall I'm, had those, I'm, and they went to Rod Dyke, and now they are all of Rod Dyke's tape recordings are KUFOs because Rod gave oh, them really? over to So they're reunited oh, no. with the NICAP, the NICAP files at KUFOs. Kufos. Okay. So that's a great like thing. Kufos. Now, how many directors? So I have, do I have, have I have NICAP files because I helped uh, filing stuff when I was down there. I used to go down there and volunteer for for a week or so, especially in the summer when I was wow. in high school and going to college. So I used to go down there. Now, and, what year was uh, that? You, because you were a ufologist then. <laughs> right. So I started going down there about uh, 1962 or so. Wow. So during the summer, so I went down there. I, you know, I asked Hall if he, you know, if he could take me on as an employee, and he said, no, I can't. Oh. We don't have any That's money. Yeah, that was always the case, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So well, I, I said, well. <laughs> So I started going down there, and as I filed stuff, I made copies of it. So there is stuff missing from the NICAP files that I have copies of. So that's part of this scanning project is to, is to reunite this stuff that other people have copies of. Darn! You know you're you're the man for the the man with the plan. If you've been on the planet. 19, that's 10, I was 10 years old, and you were down there doing that stuff, and I was making fun of my brother keeping up. My brother was younger than me by eight or nine years, born in 59, but from the time he could walk and talk, he came in as a UFO historian collecting all that stuff, and I thought he was nuts, but then I'd die and have out-of-body near-death experiences, and then UFO experiences, and then, you know, report them to Kufos and, and going back in the military, and I don't know what part NASA and all this Chris Craft and all that has to do with the men in black coming and get me. Or I'm going to figure it all out. How who works for what? But I'm still amazed. So Nightcap, 1962, and you were in D.C., Washington area. Where was Nightcap? Yeah, yeah, that's what I did. I went down there, oh, and wow, I stayed in a cheap motel. And then uh, the, when I was going to college, uh, um, well, I stayed at Berliner's one time. Oh, so my Berliner God. put me Are up. Are you shitting me? And you're just, no. Is, is Don Berliner still alive? Yes, he is. Have he's you getting up there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's older than I, I am, so he's, he's getting up there because I'm pretty old. Yeah, because I was young. So, so yeah, we. Uh, I went down there and stayed with him one time and worked in the office. And oh uh, one God. day we went to uh, 
we went out to uh, a beer joint and it was it was uh Swedish. <laughs> and, you know, it's for people from Sweden. Uh-huh. They had like a a, a a bar, and he said, "I like to go to this place because the the women are uh, beautiful and friendly." <laughs> so we went we went there one night. <laughs> what Don Berliner and Jan Aldrich was that 1962 or when Kennedy died? In no, 63? no, that was that was about uh, uh, 64, 64 or so. 1964. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was going. To, I, I I was I was out of high school by then. So 1964. When I went into the army, if I because uh, for a while I was at Fort Lee. So I'd just take a three-day pass and go to night and work there. Or I'd take some leave and I went to NICAP. And uh, I stayed at at the Army-Navy. Oh, I don't know what they call it. Army-Navy Association. They had, if you were a soldier, you could uh, stay for a dollar a night. Wow. So, uh, but you weren't a soldier. Yeah, they give you a bunk bed. They give you a bunk bed, and everything is just like you know the army. They they had uh, army bunk beds, and you could go there to visit Washington D.C. and the uh, Army Navy Association paid for it. Well, were you? Uh, You know, so you you paid a dollar to to get a bunk. Were you a soldier in '64? Yeah, I was a soldier then in '67. Dang. Oh, so I was okay, I was signed I was, uh, uh, I was assigned to Fort Lee and you know I got to go to NICAP because it's it's real close. I just hopped on a bus bus and went to Washington D.C. and there's you know, my 1967. Take, take, take five take five days off. Take five days. So NICAP leave. was 19. When did NICAP start? 1956. So Dr. Bruce McAbee was right. He's told me I was working for NICAP, and I couldn't figure it out. I was like, no. So he, Dr. Bruce McAbee is smart. He knows stuff. Dang. So when did Dr. Bruce McAbee get back involved with NICAP? I don't, I, I don't remember him ever being involved. The first time well, I met did... him was he he was with Foo for the first time I met him. So, see, my brain's so mixed up with all this because nobody ever told me anything about these associations or the acronyms. I didn't know about them. And then when I got in uniform again in 85, I'm introduced to J. Allen Hynek. And if he told me he was dying, I must have missed it. I know he wasn't feeling well. But he mentioned something about that in the back of the plane. But I think I'd already met him at Larry Air Force Base or Edwards Air Force Base. I don't remember which one. I can't, Jan. So much of this is, you know, we've slept since then. So I don't remember where I met him. But I, I thought I met him on a plane. But then I was remembering him out at uh, taking me way out, talking to me on the other side of the airfield at Larry Air Force Base in 85. So uh, that's when they were talking me about my clearance and the Air Force. And I was on the Air Force base. 
So 85 is important to me, but 67 is important to me with Chris Kraft and then that Carl Schleicher in the Air Force. So I don't know. I don't know. So 67, 87. Let me see what I just wrote. Yeah, 67. Now, you were already a ufologist, but now you and I established that Stan, because Stan told me we didn't really I, I was talking about ufologists, but we didn't use it back then. So I know that. No, 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 no. This is, when I came back from from Germany, that's the first real time I I heard somebody say it. They were writing about it in in newsletters and stuff. But that that was when was the time. first used in etymology? When do you remember ufology? Is that a, I, I haven't looked it up, but when did we use ufology? Uh, in the 80s, but I'm not sure. All right, I, I remember. You know, I, I was o- I was overseas I for a long time there. I was first in Korea and then in Germany. So I'll just have to do the best I can to restructure that. But you know, you were talking about the skeleton and the meat of our framing of uh, the UFO history or ufology. But now we're outside, folks. We're not the secret space force, sir any of that. So don't, you know, we may have groups and stuff, but we're going to keep fiction from nonfiction. Jim Mars jumped all over me from Texas. I was an investigator, but now to last, some of our friends in California really helped Jim and you can go back here. And then maybe it's on this channel, our revolution. I don't know if it's on New York blog talk or not, but we've got so much history. I've forgotten more than I can remember. But the thing is, we've walked a talk here and there, but I wasn't allowed to be professionally out. I didn't come out till 2007, so just for all you UFO buffs. But I have been out since then, and uh, I didn't – I mean, I met uh, – told you the history of uh, Stan and I and then all that with the government before that. But I don't know who was orchestrating it other than Men in Black, so I'm still figuring out who all those well. people are. But now with you, I, I met I in, met Richard Hall in I think sixty two. Wow! So, so you're, I met you him at NICAP, and we yeah we talked to my father. Uh, we were down there looking at uh, battlefields and stuff, and I said I wanted to go to NICAP, and my father came up there with me, and um, Richard Hall. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was kind of a quiet day, so he had time. So we just sat there and talked for about four hours, and then my father came back and got me. And then, uh, so I was hooked. I wanted to come down there and work for them, do some kind of work for them. So the only kind of work I could do is occasionally come down as a volunteer. Wow, what a story. That is your story. So they had Nicap. Uh, yeah, so they did have they did have a staff and uh um there was Diana Sinkler and she was a college graduate and she was everybody referred to her 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 as the six foot Venetian. <laughs> because uh, yes. she was a, a, a tall, she was about a six foot three tall blonde, and that was the time of the miniskirts, wow, and wow. she had Dude. trouble sitting down at a desk 
because, you know, the mini skirts were way up there then, and she was yeah. so tall. So I remember. Was, uh, <laughs> yeah, so the Don says, yeah, that's, that's our, uh, you know, Abdansky talked about uh, how the the women from Venus were blonde and tall, and so that's why they called her the the Venusian. So he so did recognize Abdansky, George Abdansky stories. Well, now, he knew Don who Burlock. he was, yeah. Yeah, so, Don Burlock. So then uh, her cousin was uh, Kathy. Kathy... Sinclair. So that was her cousin. And then uh, I've, I've gone through the NICAP files there, and I found out that there was another cousin named Bo Sinclair. And that was another female cousin. So the three of them were working there, not all at one time. Kathy and Diane worked there for for most of the time, I guess. Um uh, when uh, Berliner went up to uh, to uh, Harrisburg, they were going up there to look at the subcommittee and what they were doing because they seemed to be coming up with just too many good stories. So uh, Bo Sinclair went with him, and they looked into the NICAP operations, and they said, "Hey, uh, we got to close you down. You're you're." Uh, um, you're too gullible. You're taking all these um, lights in the sky as, uh, uh, you know, UFOs, and, you know, we're, we're able to explain most of those. So you, they needed to close them down. Telling the National Enquirer, we, you know, we had a thousand cases in Harris. And so, so Berliner and Bo Sinclair went up there, and they uh, they looked into the Harrisburg subcommittee operations. Um, uh, there was a guy from NASA that used to come in there all the time, um, and he worked with NICAP, so he was um, <clears throat> he'd go out on investigations on his off time. So um, I can't remember his name. I gotta get in touch with Don Burliner and give him his fair shake before he passes over. That's the whole reason, you know, me being the young quipper snapper girl. I'm not anymore, but I'm supposed to remember all this stuff so I can write about them when they get old. They say let history tell the tale, uh, right? (laughs) So Isabel Davis was Isabel Davis was part of CSI New York. So there were three people in there that were instrumental in in running that organization, Ted Blocher, Isabel Davis, and Alexander Mabain, and they were like the big three. And then Isabel came to work for NICAP, and then Ted Blocher came to work for NICAP. Um, and they didn't get much of a salary. They got pretty uh, – I think Isabel was – by that time, she was on Social Security because she was over 65. So, And uh, I always looked at her as my mentor because uh, 
she would she would show me cases she's working on and how to investigate them and you know how to analyze what these people are saying and everything and <clears throat> she had very uh she had a quick wit on her and she could really uh um analyze things just you know um just just by reading them almost in a in an instant so um so I used to like to come and talk to her and spend time with her. And then uh, later on when uh, James McDonald got interested, um, I would see him at NICAP. I, uh, I met him at NICAP, and I'd see him. And so uh, I told him I was working at MIT at the time. I mean, he said, well, they have an excellent library. I'd like to know something about uh, their ball lightning collection. So I went to the library since I was uh, an employee. I had access to the library, so I, I made up a bibliography for uh, McDonald, and I also found some foreign uh, UFO things, mostly from scientific magazines. I, I remember he said he couldn't get two of them. One was an Italian science magazine, and the other one was from the Netherlands. And uh, <laughs> MIT didn't have them, but they had references to them. So I gave them to McDonald, and he said, well, I'll try to uh, run these down at the University of Arizona, but if I don't, I'll try to run them uh, down at the um, Library of Congress. So, um, but I did do that uh, ball lightning thing for him, and it was about uh, six pages bibliography, and he was he was appreciative of that. And I, I had a French a French uh, book in the engineering department at MIT in their library. It had never been taken out. It was written in uh, 1889, I think. And it had a whole chapter of about ball lightning. So I copied that and sent it to, uh, to McDonald. And he asked Isabel if, he, if she could translate it, which she could. So um, that was uh, – I felt good about that. I, I, I felt that I found some things that McDonald didn't know about. So that was – to me, that was, uh, you know, a big uh, – that was a big ego thing. So um, – You mean your ego? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my Find ego. So, well, you how old are you? So then I uh I went down there. This is during the conning committee. And uh Lynn Cato was working at the Library of Congress and she was doing a bibliography on uh, UFO articles and books, which you can still find. You can still find this bibliography. She was working for the Library of Congress and was part of the conning committee. So uh, they asked her to do that. And Isabel gave her the NICAP CSI New York um, scrapbooks. 
the uh, the um, clipping, and she made she made uh, microfilms of those, and you can still get them. You can get them from the Library of Congress. And so, um, you know, I had written to Lynn Cato, and I've been giving her things, and uh, uh, for her bibliography, and uh, we've written back and forth, and. So one day I'm I'm working on the NICAP files. I came down there specifically because I heard McDonald was going to be down there. So I wanted to meet him again. Uh, um, one of the girls, her name was uh, her name was also Diana, I think, and she lived with Isabel, and she was you know she was. Uh, she wasn't a college student, but she just graduated. So this gal comes in, and she's got this this woman with her, and uh, she comes right up to me, and she says, you know, I've wanted to meet you for a while now. I can't figure out who she is, you know. And she says, I'm Lynn Cato. And I said, oh, wow. So we got talking about, uh, bibliographies and books and articles about UFOs because she was doing her bibliography. So, and uh, she was a she was a real fun um, person. She was you know her, her, she had a real good sense of humor and she was she was really something else. And uh, um, somebody said McDonald's here. And so Lynn goes into the other office and says, yeah, I'm going to go see him. And I said, well, I'm going to go see him too. I said, that's why I came down here for. And so I found out that Lynn Cato is really working with NICAP. Even though she works at the Library of Congress, she's working with NICAP. And uh, McDonald liked her too, so. Uh, and she's, you know, she's she's in Washington D.C., so she's finding out things about UFOs through the uh, Library of Congress. So they had a meeting, you know, about what they they ho- they hope to have a congressional hearing. So they were planning out how to do that, and I was down there then. And McDonald wrote in his notes, and I saw this years later. It says. Jan Aldrich hovering around trying to pick up all the information that's being disseminated between us. <laughs> well, would you like to know how important Don Berliner is? Back in July 3rd, 1997, he did a C-SPAN clip at recorded at the National Press Club. Are you aware of that? Yeah, yeah, I was aware. Do you know he yeah. mentions you? He might have, yeah. I know he did. I'm looking at the at the transcript. But he uh it says John is Jan Aldrich, but the computer that we're working on for you know, the AI says J- John Aldrich, but it's you. He refers to you doing a report. So you're famous in this Don Berliner C SPAN today. So I've got your history right there and record on the internet, which is what we go by, right? Which whether it's yeah, fact or fact or fiction. But uh I just had it. But I wanted to tell you he talked about Jan Aldrich's working on the so he re, he uh 
said Don Hall could make it that day. I'm not Don. He just a Richard Hall, Mr. Hall. So I know Mr. Yeah. Hall. But so Don uh, did talk about you. And uh, folks, that's on C-SPAN today on July 3rd, 1997. Now, I just decided to start investigating, not just reporting on radio once a week in a nonchalant attitude of just helping make sure that we get Jan before he passes over. But it looks like I'm going to be more involved than I want to be uh, as a correspondent and as a reporter. So I guess I'm going to be T.J. Mars reporter now, put on a different hat. But this interpretation of possible UFO sightings from Roswell, 47, in response to the USO government, he was talking about the Roswell incident to 1997, but they've got the video clip, July 3rd, 1997. And now, so Don Berliner officiates with this uh, C-SPAN. Don Berliner represented a fund for UFO research, which I just, I mean, I guess I've known about it through Jan talking about stuff, but I never really, you know, care. You know how you listen and you hear But it doesn't mean anything to you, you know, but apparently he said somebody, I guess, had stepped down or passed for the directors. And so we'll have to go back and listen to his history. But, you know, in everything I see about him being an aviator, he says, my name is Don Berliner. It's just Rob Swipat. We're both members of the executive committee of the Fund of UFO Research. This fund is a nonprofit corporation set up to support scientific research and educational project aimed in shedding some light on the UFO mystery. We don't know what UFOs are. We'd like to know a long time history like this must be solved sooner or later. So we want to do our part, mainly bring in the scientific community into the, into this problem. <laughs> our reason for being here today concerns the latest air force attempt to explain July 947 Roswell incident, and one of the things that kept us going is not only the nuts and bolts of the UFO setting, but the increasingly peculiar behavior of the U.S. government, in particular the United States Air Force. The latest report is far away the least believable of a series of reports that the Air Force has issued on this particular aspect of photos, each one intended on a final answer. Now, it goes on, folks, I'll let you read that, and it's uh, – but on down, I saw it, and for some reason it flipped off, but it said John Aldrich, but I know it's Jan, but the computer tried to correct it, Jan Aldrich, because we know I'm talking to Jan Aldrich right now, so that needs to be corrected, but that's the problems we're having in AI right now, and when it hears something, it may change Jan because it thinks it's John. Uh, J-O-H-N uh, And Jan Tell us about Because my name's Jan too folks There's Jan Aldrich Jan McAbee Jan Thurmond Which is me But um, T.J. Morris As far as You know The internet's concerned But uh, Jan Now You you said it was from another country Because it's very popular in Europe It's a, It's a man's name But over here We always thought of it as a woman's name but do you have any background in J-A-N for you or why you well, were named for me, J-A-N? well, um, uh, I mean, um, my father's Polish, so, you know, the uh, one of the Holy Roman emperors was named Jan. 
Um, oh, God, you're Polish, too. So, God, so me too. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, was uh, uh, a, a, a president of uh, uh, Poland, so... Um, or, or no. Well, that makes sense uh, why I'm named Jimmy. I, I'm not sure what country he was president of, but he was, you know. So, so there are wow. a lot of popular. And then Ian, Ian Fleming, well, that's just instead of Jan with a J, it's a with an I. So uh, when when I was born, my father said, well, um, to my mother, we said, well, Jan's a Polish name. And uh, my mother was part uh, Dutch, English, <coughs> Scottish. So uh, Jan is uh, Dutch and Scottish sometimes. Like I say, Ian. So that's why that's why they decided to name me Jan, and of course in the United States, Jan's a girl's name. So you know that was that's kind of a problem for me when I was younger. I guess, yeah. Now yeah. it says here, uh, Mr. Hall. It says just that Mr. Hall. Well, he wasn't able to make it today. I'd like this is the C-SPAN that I'm quoting at 26 minutes and 17 seconds about Jan Aldrich here. But I'd like to go bring attention to one more thing that's kind of interesting here. We've had a fellow looking into this is a project of the fund for your research fellow named John Aldrich. A-L-D-R-I-C-H. So I know it's Jan here, folks, but a lot of times uh, we're going to fix that. Hopefully the AI will hear, but it says John. But looking into the initial set of reports from 1,970, his preliminary report has come out. We do have a couple copies available for anybody who might like one, but this is essentially a complete overview. I gleaned from what newspapers and documents of the times, period, that doesn't make sense, but that just period, on exactly how the wave progressed, what types of objects were being reported, iPhones as well as, surely that's not what that says back in 97, but it's what it says here, iPhones as well as true on no ones, and we think it's kind of a significant contribution to the UFO research, our community. I think they. You know, I think he probably said IFOs and. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going surely. Computer probably changed that. There were no iPhones at the time, but. Yeah, I'm like surely this is. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, but uh, so yeah, I think that. the computer probably changed that to whatever it thought. So we got it. This is very disturbing. Folks, we're talking about history here. And, you know, we we know AIs don't have souls, okay? But I've got one of my jobs in this epoch of time with the Ascension Age is explaining AI that was coming. And I had the foresight to know about it and work with and write about, you know, different people coming and doing this work. But 
he's right. There were no iPhones, but this is an issue, and I'm going to be working with this, with cyberspace culture in, you know, people in the government and GoDaddy, I can, who, you know, NetCert Solutions, DARPA, whomever will work with us. But, you know, this is a huge daunting task, so I'm asking for all of your help. With Jan Aldrich here for the HQ, we're going to have a Gulf Breeze. He's in Connecticut. We're working out of our homes remotely like most half of the big corporations now. You have a choice to work in the office or work at your home remotely. But we're talking about UFO research that's been going on forever, you know, and people have been coming and going from this planet forever before the flood, uh, the daunting four and a half billion years ago, whatever. But the thing is, we're just covering while we're here in human form biologicals. So the Roswell event is very important. It was the event of 19047. It says UFO sightings according to Aldrich. Now there he is quoted again by Don Berliner. Now, there were at least 3,000 reports of strange objects in the sky. Now, from the U.S., Canada, and many other countries, there were rare exceptions, but these were things seen in the broad daylight, described as round or oval-shaped. They displayed amazing performance, extremely high speed in the atmosphere without creating any booms. Now, he's trying to explain this is Mr. Aldrich, the man I'm speaking to right now. Jan Aldrich, okay? This is a gentleman that has devoted his entire life. He saw as a child a green ball, which we call orbs, a green ball of fire. We've got other colors too, blue, red, green, yellow, you name it. But the thing is, he Don Berliner is very way up there, and, you know, before he passes – we need people recognizing him. I guess I'm going to have to do it. And in, in IMDb, the man should not be writing about his own self, folks. IMDb, okay? Now that's through Amazon. And so I'm doing the best I can, but I need you guys' help because I've been doing this, and Jan has been doing it his entire life. So we need your help. We're forming an association. Let us know if you can help. And, you know, this, this is very powerful. And I didn't know what all I was supposed to do. I have been very ignorant about my assignment because J. Allen Hynek sort of disappeared, and the government was leading me with men in black. How you know, go this way, go that way. But oh no, they can't show up and tell me anything because I'm an independent contractor, you know, or a non-official narc or knock, non-official cover operative or something. Because they can't have the CIA and NSA and FBI all working together with the Joint Chiefs of Staff or the President or something. But, you know, they're not going to let me on the stand for the Congress and Senate because I'll be sworn to tell the truth. <laughs> and Don Berliner so, would be the yeah. same way. So now it's and Jan so when, when I proposed when I, when I proposed to, uh, to do uh, Project 1947, guess who uh, was against it? Hey. Don Berliner. Are you kidding me? And here he is putting. He you told on the... me. He says. He says. Listen, Ted Blocher has already uh, done a book about the 1947 wave, and he found 850 sightings in the newspaper. That's what he's talking about. He's putting you. So I, mean, I said. I said. To, I said. I said to Don. I said, Don, that's just the surface. And he says, oh, no, Blocher did that. So what I did is I said, okay, if I can prove you wrong, will you support me? And he says, yeah, sure. 
you know, I'm always willing to change my mind, but I, I think Blocher's done it all. So Blocher had a, a, a book called the the uh, UFO Wave of 1947, 850 sightings. So I went out to uh, uh, University of Idaho, where they had all the Idaho newspapers, and I went to. Uh, uh, Washington State, I went to the uh, Legislative Library, and I went to the um, uh, Historical Society in the same Oregon, and I came back with a couple of hundred new UFO cases that were not in Blocher, and he says, well, maybe you should be doing this project. I, you came up with, a, you know, 100 cases and new cases that Blucher didn't have. So he said, yeah, I'll support it now. But oh, he told gosh. me in the beginning, he said, there's no reason to do this. Ted Blucher's already done all the work. Wow. And then he's scupping you up on, he had, you know, you, you can tell the man's grasping for straws here. I'm reading this going, you know, he's like, well, who are you? You're supposed to be handling this fund for UFO research. So he's scrambling. And he's talking about, oh, well, Jan Aldrich has got all this stuff. You know? Well, he changed his there. mind. You know, he came over to my side. So, um, yeah, you know, that's how, the I got the, the uh, that's how I got the grant. I got, I got the grant because, um, uh, frankly, I got the grant. Because Stan wanted money for something, and they said they didn't think there would be uh, his his idea would was not they they didn't like his idea. So, um, uh, Richard Hall told me he says, uh, "Yeah, I don't think we'll be giving Stan uh, the money. I think you're going to get the money." So wow. that's when I started out, that's when I started out, uh, after after being in the Army. That was the same year I finished the Army, and then by um, September I started Project 47 and going all around the country. So, wow. And well, into Canada, too. The Studies in Intelligence is a book. I can't turn it on, folks. I mean, I could, but I've got a, a bad buzz, so I can't do that while I'm doing, you know, different in New York and Connecticut. And uh, he, I said Houston. I was out of Houston. Now I've got different servers. But uh, Gulf Breeze, Florida, which we're making the Mecca here, thanks to Bruce Maccabee and Stephen Greer and all these people. But we've got a lot of military bases around here. And we have the Blue Angels. So, you know, we're big on the Air Force. Yeah, go Navy, go Air Force. But, you know, Army too, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, all our veterans. And we ask all you veterans if you've got any time that you can devote. Now, Jan's scanning, but he's a great investigator and great historian, historian since at least 12 years old working with NICAP out of Washington, D.C., and this, now we have a National Press Club. No, no, it was more like, you know, it was more like uh, uh, 15, 16. Well, you need to get Don Berliner. Yeah, 12 years old. I I had, uh, when I read Ruppelt, that's when I started getting into uh, UFOs, so that was 56. I was already working with I was already working with you guys, not even knowing it. 
Oh, that's amazing to me. But in 1997, I was already involved from 85. But you guys look up Washington, D.C., the first national press club, Don Berliner, C-SPAN, talking about Jan Aldrich at the National Press Club. You see C-SPAN, too. Jan Aldrich is the man they're talking about, and I'm talking to him right now. Now, this is history, folks. We are the UFO headquarters. We're claiming it for all these groups that have gone under or don't have the money, and I've got to do the tech support be the admin and do the grunt work while Jan's out scanning and running around the country still doing the grunt work. So we need you guys, all you guys that got time. If you're in the CUFOs or MUFON, I know we don't have membership. Are you still there, Jan? Jan, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Oh, good. I thought I was scared I lost you. All right. Oh, well, I'm oh, sorry no, for giving no, no. the pitch. There's uh, just a second it dropped off. Okay. Yeah, so, well, the UFO headquarters has uh, so, got to be Jan Aldrich, yeah, I just, Bruce McAbee. I just returned from Rice University in Texas, so that was one of my research trips this year. Yeah, and we're at the end of our our show now, Jan, and I'm surprised we're still here. So, uh I guess we're still here. I don't know if we're still recording or not because it stopped my clock. But uh, let's uh, – we need to cut this out in case we're not being recorded, and I don't have any way to tell. But you can hear me, right? Right. I still show New York, but I don't know how much of this is going to be recorded. But I'm I'm really happy, Jan, that you have stepped up to the plate again for the entire world uh, folks, I call him my boss, and he keeps saying, "Stop saying that. I'm the grunt. I just do." I said, "No, sir. You're you told me you're the director of this. You know, Jan Maccabee was uh, for many years, and uh, not Jan, uh, Doctor Bruce Maccabee. Now Don Berliner is getting up in years, but you know, I didn't understand why he was always going. When I look him up on the internet, it, the UFO word is out of there. On Don Berliner as the pilot, this, that, the other. So I would like well, to know what he was. A, he was an aviation writer. But why, as a press guy, that's like me saying I was a legal investigator and private investigator that was never allowed. You know, I was kept off the record through all the press. That's why you can't find anything about me. I was on the well, Berlin, whatever list they Berliner put out told there. Me Berliner told me um, Sergeant Edward uh, Edgar Clark uh, wrote uh, during the Second World War. He wrote a you know he he was a reporter for uh, Stars and Stripes. So I told yeah, Berliner, Stars and oh, uh, Edgar, yeah, Edgar Edgar uh, Clark uh, wrote some articles for the Stars and Stripes about Foo Fighters. And right. Don told me, Don told me, you know what? That's the man that gave me my first job. Wow. Yeah, Stars and Stripes is what brought me into the press undercover. Yeah, well, you but know, Roswell, uh, he got a job. Uh, um, Clark was was out of the Army by that time, but he was... But he had, you know, it's just kind of interesting. That so Clark it was written, written about Don Berliner. 
So he was the, so my he point said, of contact. Uh, Don said, yeah, Clark gave me his first, my first job. That makes so much sense in my life between Stars and Stripes and them talking to me in Hawaii. And so since 1989 as a press person with the press, because the Stars and Stripes told me I was undercover, that I worked in uniform, but I couldn't tell anybody. And I was like, huh? <laughs> what do you mean? Because I was covering area, the Hangar 18 and Area 51 and that the towers and all this classified stuff that I didn't even know what it was. Now I know what it all is, so I can't talk about it. But I didn't know then. So it's uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, folks. That's all I got to tell you. I knew Art Bell, and Art Bell and I got close for a while there, but it was mostly FBI stuff. But, uh, you know, FBI never told me I could or couldn't talk either. Hell, we'd go to lunch, go to NSA, CIA, FBI. It's just Num, you know, just letters, but they were all. Even the CIA guy told me it was, he was, you know, he gave me his card. He was, it was. There's people that are out, and that's what I sort of wanted to cover today. But maybe we can next time. I'd, I really like you to help me with this. 1997. Are you saying that's when you came out officially, Jan, on in the press? Because I'm officially on the record tonight, now, folks. Anything before this, not. I mean, you know, what can I say? It was mixed fact and fiction. I, I wrote, but, I wrote yeah. stuff for, uh, I wrote a little bit of stuff for uh, Flying Saucer Review in England. And prior to nineteen ninety seven. So you oh, really were nineteen ninety seven? Yeah, I, I, you know, my book had been published by then. What book? You wrote a book. Yeah, I, I wrote a book on it. Well, that's what Don said. I wrote a book about the 1947 wave. Well, he was talking about the. Well, I have to say it, but yeah, you got he was it talking up? about my book when it, during, during that thing. Wow, God! So go back so, and read it. You know, he talks about my book there. I heard him talking about the report, but yeah, folks, let's this let's Well, that's my report. My report. My book. Nice. Is it published on Amazon now? No, it's it, it's out of print. Oh no! We got to get it back out there. You on the ISBN? Well, it's kind of old. It's kind of old not, now. It, it needs to be updated. Am I even so, saying the right number? So yeah, you know, it, the the big thing is it's Roswell, 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 Roswell. And nobody wants to know about what else happened in 1947. <laughs> what can I say? So that's what well, my book is about. It's not my book is not about Roswell. It's about everything else but Roswell. The kids and, don't even you know, know like, what uh, I was talking about. When I talked when I talked to Berliner and I talked to Hall, I told them I said, "Listen, you got Randall Friedman." Uh, all you other guys have written on Roswell. I said, I want to do a book about what was going on at the time because Roswell was not the big deal in 1947. It became the big deal in the 80s when they discovered uh, uh, Jesse Marcel in, uh, in um I remember seventy-five, seventy-six, because I was there. Midnight, yeah, yeah, yeah. Men in so, black, bands. So. And guess what uh, that Dan was? Dan had just guess left, and I was that? watching. Guess what caused that? What? 
Well, NASA said they wanted to know about, they said they don't want to study UFOs unless they have something that they can put. So that was, that's all of a sudden everybody's trying everywhere. Uh, you're getting they're they're blocking you. Okay, say it one more time. You must have said something important because we didn't get it. Okay, so NASA so in, said what? In, uh, NASA NASA uh, President Carter asked NASA to study flying um, saucers. I'll and be they said, no, we're not doing it unless we have some physical evidence, a piece of a flying saucer. Oh my and God! That, that that's what brought that's what brought uh, Jesse Marcel out. Carter. Of course, he had a UFO sighting. That's the part of my life I was missing. They re, they went back and put it with somebody. I remember all those stories now. Oh my God! I forgot the Carter. I thought I just came in with Reagan. I remember now. You're right. Oh my God! I got a whole different area now. To explore Georgia, I remember that in the FBI office in Georgia, uh, all the Carter people, something to do. I remember defense and UFO. Oh my God, that's yeah, a yeah. Whole... Jimmy Carter had a UFO sighting, yeah. so he was. Oh my God, I, that's totally gone in my head. They must have really done a number. So on he me. asked NASA. <laughs> he said, when he got to be president, he said, he, he said, I want you to do a UFO study. And they didn't want to do it, so they said, well, if we got some kind of physical evidence we can put our hands on, uh, we would do it. So that's that's kind of the way that Roswell came out. Oh, it might be physical evidence. Whoa. So that's what started all that's the Roswell why they came stuff. Because, you know, so oh that, that, that was the thing, and I I told Berliner when I uh, and Dick Hall when I did my uh, request for grant, I said I do not want to call, uh, rehash Roswell. I said there's enough people working on Roswell. Why did they pick Stan me up Freeman, in a van and take me to Jesse Marcel? Uh, they wanted to know uh, where the piece Randall, was. I said, there's there, there's, a, there's a dozen people that have written Roswell books. I said, I want to do the 1947 wave because this is the beginning of the whole thing. I said, Roswell oh was not God. important in 1947. This Most is nuts. people just read about Roswell at the end of the wave. So I said I want to I want to do a history of the wave in 1947, and I have more information than Blocher did, and so I want to update his research. Oh man, these guys and men in black are so intelligent. Well, I don't I think they just do their job. Whoever's pulling everybody's strings on this UFO is above Congress, above the president. So I do know that. Okay, so it's where are the money people? So we got to go back and follow the money. Who was who was putting all the money before Bigelow? Uh, who, who, uh, who was you said Farouk? Anyway, folks, I just know it's been a long Baruch, time since Baruch, I've done investigation. Not, not Farouk, Baruch, Bernie Baruch. Baruch. He was uh, he was an advisor to the president. No, president my Truman, God, to president to FDR. Baruch was a. He was a a super successful stock market 
Oh, my God, the stock market's behind the UFO thing way back there. So no Rothschild, really. It was Baruch, Baruch, whatever you're saying. Baruch was was an advisor to to, uh, uh, FDR and Harry Truman. Oh my God! And he didn't have an office. He used to. to He used to go to. He used to go to the. uh, Um. To the park there, uh, Central Park, and he'd read. He'd read the, uh, like the New York, uh, the the Wall Street Journal, on a park bench, in. uh, In. uh, In Central Park. And he was a, a he was a billionaire, and there wow. weren't many billionaires when they, at that time. And the president would ask him in for. Uh, <laughs> really? The president would ask him about that. about finance and stuff. Wow. Ask him about foreign policy. Ask him about helping Europe recover. Harry S. Truman. He was he was a, a he was a big advisor. His son was in the Navy. His son was also on the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, oh my god! He wasn't as big an investor as his father, but his son was in the Navy and he was in naval intelligence, and he did the service reports. Well, that makes sense. That was his idea. He, that makes sense. He, so. So it's he, all coming together he, in my lifetime, put, thank God. He put together the service reports, and service reports have been going on since 1951 up to the current time. And I was born in 1951. <laughs> thank you. I'm starting to finally get the light of putting together the dots. Thank you, Jan Aldrich. You are just a love to behold in my life. I've got to put the dots together, folks. Well, folks, this is UFO Talk. We could keep up for hours. Jan is an excellent historian, researcher, orator, ufologist, and one of the uh, first original appointed 100 with Don Berliner, Dr. Bruce McAbee, Stanton T. Friedman, need I go on? And I was just the outside looking in, being recruited in 70. Well, 67 to do the job for the presidents of the United States, and I guess it was Jimmy Carter on, but I don't even remember who was the – oh, Kennedy got shot. I was 13. So uh, at Kennedy, I remember that's when I even thought Johnson was involved, and I was only 13 and began my Nancy Drew life. But I'd already decided to be a librarian in the third grade at Ransom Elementary, but I knew from then on I was going to be working on the – Kennedy Johnston's Johnson story, but Jim Mars did the best job he could for me. God bless him. And Alfred Lambermont Weber, we had P put me on, and within 45 minutes, I told him the truth, and he had to pull me off. He had 5,900 hits and pulled me off and said, uh, that's Alfred Lambermont Weber of Canada. But Canada trusted me more than the United States did back then because the United States kept me undercover. And Canada would go through all my stuff trying to find out what I got every time I'd go to Canada. It's weird. Well, we got stories to tell, folks. We're on the Men in Black Trail, but we're also on the UFO Trail, the UAP Trail, and the ACO. And we're going to do alienology, cosmology, ufology, and anything else we can come up with. But Jan is the man. Jan Aldrich, and that's not necessarily a woman's name, by the way, because it was a man's name first, apparently. So, uh, 
I just happen to be Jan Thurmond. I'll just use Jan Aldrich and Jan Thurmond, I guess. But from my press, I've given my name, Teresa J. Morris, on my driver's license, if anybody's legal, because the government and Homeland Security likes me to stay legal. But in the military, I was a Thurmond and a Havalka, and we won't go there now. But if you, whatever you need, Jan, we're going to be here. We don't have the money, honey, but we got the time. So hopefully we'll find somebody like this billionaire that was working with Truman in my lifetime to help us out here. But, you know, I'll do it as close to a shoestring as I can, but I'm paying the bill right now. Blog Talk Radio, and if you want to help me, it's patreon.com forward slash Teresa J. Morris, and I don't have anybody out there at all, nor have I cared to promote myself, but as of today, guess what? The price of milk and gas has gone up, but Jan is doing the best he can to do self-funding to get himself over to Wyoming, but I'm sure we could all use some funding, but we're going to pull it all together at the UFO HQ for Ufology Talk on TJ Mars ET Radio. Do oral, but we're also going to start doing some good podcasting video reports. So I'm working on that. I did, but they took away my toys, the government and GoDaddy and Microsoft and everybody out there because I was getting too sharp at it, I think, too fast. They wanted to control the narrative. So we'll try again. But Jan, I think you did an excellent job. I'm very proud of you. I'm so glad that you told me about Fufor, and my brain finally got the big aha with Don Berliner. I knew it was always with Stanton, but I couldn't quite put it together between the fights between Don Berliner and Stanton Friedman. Folks, I was the public relations officer <laughs> between them, and it wasn't going good. So I'm sorry. Well, Berliner wrote the first book. Berliner oh. wrote the first book on Roswell with, but he he didn't get credit because uh, uh, they put uh, who the heck's name on it. I have no clue. But there were three people that wrote the first book. All I know um, is I was in Berliner was one of them. in UFO land, and I was yeah, trying to so keep I, I'm having happy. trouble keeping that straight exactly. Uh, um. Who wrote the first oh, we're the book? Kids. Uh, we were huh? just young kids. You and I were the kids trying to, you know, well, I think was, we were I was, uh, big researchers. <laughs> yeah, I, I, to tell you the truth, I wasn't much interested in Roswell when I when I um, when I came back from overseas. I thought it was all overhyped. So I, I that's why I decided. I, I said I want to do the rest of 1947 excluding Roswell because there's a big history out there and Roswell is over shine or it's it's outshining everything that was done in nineteen forty seven. And uh uh that I wanted to do the nineteen forty seven project and that's what became project nineteen forty seven. You know, I said I've got a Roswell page on my on my uh, website, but it's not the main thing there. Well, whoever was pulling the forty-seven story on the parts, I was involved, and Jesse Marcel knew it. And I, Calvin Parker, God bless him, he just came out and under the woodwork lately, you know, but he's doing good because the guy in UK that you know, publisher over there. 
I wanted to do Calvin, but I just couldn't get around to it. But I had Calvin here in on the radio show, so he's here somewhere, folks, in our archives. Calvin Parker, look that story up. Well, Jan, when can you come back? You said we get one more Friday next week, then because we are next Friday we can come back. All right. And then six after that, I'll be central. working at the university, so I I won't have time. All right. Well, folks, we're gonna have to. We're gonna. We got I got a five-year domain bought for UFOHQ.org. It's uh, from out of the archives. I talked to the guy that had it. He didn't care. He didn't want to piss off the UFO world or something. I don't know. But uh, we got it now, and we'll use that with uh, UAP Associates and. Uh, do the best we can to do all these groups we've been in since we were young, 50s, I guess Harry Truman forward, and uh, anything 47. Were, were you alive in 47, Jan? I was. Yeah, I was. I, wasn't. I was born in 44. Because you were three but years old. I was just old. a little kid. I was a little kid. <laughs> I, I didn't understand any of this stuff. Me either. So, folks, we're just little babies still, you know, come and go from the planet. You know, we are the authors of our own life story. That was my mother's final line to me before she passed, God bless her, to start this company. She gave me $100 to start it. So here I am. I just didn't know I was going to go back to work at 70 as a real official press T.J. Marsh reporter. But I reported in today, org. Paid my dues, so here we go with Jan Aldrich, my first interview since I'm officially July 1st, back in the saddle again, folks. ACO Press Club, ACO Association, American Communication Online, UFO Association, UAP Associates, and this is Jan Aldrich of Connecticut. Now, are you allowed to say what city, or you're not allowed to do that? I don't know. No, I'm in, Can- uh, I'm in Canterbury. Canterbury. Okay, well, next time I'll put that. But I've got you, Connecticut. I wasn't sure how much you'd allow me to put out there, but you're well, public. Canada, you, know, you know, uh, I live on Westminster Road in Canterbury. So you know <laughs> well, where these people public. came from. Can, well, spell Canterbury. So C A N. You know, Can- C-A-N-T-E-R-B-U-R-Y. But Okay. But so in, in England, it's the Archbishop of Canterbury that is the the head of the the uh, well the king, the uh, the royals are the head of the church. But the main guy <laughs> in the Church of England is the Archbishop of Canterbury. Oh, I don't so know this about is all that. Canterbury, Connecticut, and uh, the. Uh, Cathedral in London is the Westminster Cathedral, so I live on Westminster Road in Canterbury, Connecticut. So now you can guess where the people here came from. Wow! In England. So they came from the <laughs> they came from Canterbury, England, um, and like I said. <clears throat> I actually live in the village called Westminster, but I also live on Westminster Road. Like Westminster Abbey, huh? Wow. Well, we got to go. I don't. I don't know how if this part is clicked off or we're just. I don't talking think this part is recorded. I think. I think it, it's over. 
Well, I know it's over on the board, but I can't tell anymore, folks. I hadn't been doing this like I should have. And everything's changed, all the stuff. They even gave me a different call-in number. I loved my number. I had it out there on everything and all the videos for all these years. So, folks, I didn't have anything to do with it. You know, I'm just part of the big hub, all these big, great companies, you know, Comcast, Blog Talk, Spreaker, Stitcher, iHeart, you know, Spotify, all these. They're all huge conglomerates. I'm just a... Low man on the totem pole, just trying to get the content out there, and especially for our association. So we're non, uh, we're unincorporated association of associations. So I'm an agent of service, Agent Morris, just like on that Saturday Night Live. <laughs> and this is Agent Aldrich. So, <laughs> but folks, if you see him in the libraries, he is definitely bona fide historian, researcher, and a ufologist. So please help him. And spread the word, all you American Library Association uh, members and all you teachers, we're pulling for you. We love our educators, our historians, all you veterans out there, art, culture, education, science, technology, engineering, and math. And, of course, ACE Folklife Association and the Smithsonian. Anybody else you want me to mention? Jan, before no, we get I think off? that's it. <laughs> Kufos, MUFON, so. NICAP, FUFORS. Don Burliner, Stanton Friedman, Dr. Bruce McAbee, Jan Aldrich, uh, Barry Greenwood, I don't know, whoever whoever he decides. We left off quite a few people he wanted to talk about tonight. I have a huge list here, but we'll catch them next week. First Marine, Air Korean War. God, we got so many notes here. Joe Chamberlain, General Arnold, Second World War. To, uh, wow, lots of stuff. Fort Meade, research. Now, uh, from Smithsonian, there's files over at Fort Meade, the backstorage, right, and General Arnold. So we got a lot to talk about, Library of Congress. We'll start again, so the National Archives will be proud of us. But uh, we got audio. We don't have video, but we're working on it. Love and light. Jan, thank you so much. You are a wonderful person for sharing your time and life. It's all we have, folks, the true currency in life is your time. So remember, TJ said that. I don't think it's original. I don't think anything I say is original. <laughs> All right, Jan, any last words you'd like to No, leave? no, I, I don't think so. Just say good night. So that's what I'm going to do. Uh, All right. Well, good night then. Okay, All right, so uh, next time uh, we'll talk next time. Awesome. Bye now. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Thank you so much. That was awesome. And he's gone, folks. So we'll just uh, close ourselves out here. And uh, one of the songs I wrote. Good night. Thank you, Nashville. Say the bluegrass trains are coming from Beaverdale down to Alabama. The bluegrass trains are coming. Bluegrass trains are coming. Long, long train running. It's a song.
Lester Flatt and Earl Scruggs, Ralph Stanley, Kevin Hugg, of the bluegrass trains are coming. I'm the t-